Welcome to this week's episode of Eye of the Swarm, season four, episode number three of your favorite Yellow Jacket podcast with our production engineer, Adam DeMuth, the Big Sound, Matt Johnson. I am John Garver, and happy to have you along here for our third episode of the year. And uh, I think, Matt, safe to say that the uh, the seasons are changing. It is no longer summer in the Twin Ports. Uh, long sleeves are showing up, and it, it pains me that I'm I'm not wearing shorts anymore because it's uh, just a little bit too chilly. And you know, I don't know if you saw the the um, the video clip on on Twitter yesterday, but in the city of Ely, Minnesota, it snowed yesterday. Did it? Did it? I did not know that. It did. Um, I was busy all day yesterday, so I didn't get a chance to see the clip. Um, you know, I was anticipating you asking me, you know, what my thoughts were today, like you did last week, and I was kind of like. Wonder what what I'll say then. <laughs> My thoughts were definitely the same as yours. You know, fall is now here. I think it's definitely um, here. I mean, we, we might still get that. Yeah, one or two more days where it goes into the the sixties and maybe even touching seventy a little bit. But you know, I think it's time to batten down the hatches and get the winter coats out. Well, and the, and the temperature and the uh, the the season changed quickly. I feel like because it wasn't that long ago, like maybe two weeks, maybe maybe even a week and a half. Well, we were still in the 80s, mm-hmm. 85 degrees, and then all of a sudden the bottom kind of dropped out a little bit on us, and um, they were actually, I think, predicting. I'm not sure if it actually happened or not. I didn't get up to check, but um, I think they were saying early on in the week that we were going to have our first hard freeze last mm-hmm. night going into this morning. I did not see it. I mean, I didn't even get out of bed until I, – I didn't go to bed last night until about 12, 31 o'clock. So, um, you know, I got up at about 8 o'clock this morning, and – by then, I mean, the sun was out, and maybe the, the frost had disappeared, or maybe we never even get it. I don't. I know in the northern reaches of the area, they, the they, fr- they did get it. They did get the yeah, hard frost. Up okay. where I grew up, uh, Mom said they did get their first frost up there. Okay. So okay. the hard frost has come to that area. Um, okay. I don't think we've really had it here yet, but... I didn't I, think so, just based I, on what I saw. Yeah, but, but I think it's only... I mean, this morning, yeah. you know, when, when we got up, it was 33 degrees. So... It's it's only a matter of time before we we wake up and see that frosty ground. Well, even work last night, like I could see my breath yep. when we walked out. Yep, I'm closing up the place last so night. So it's gonna so. be gonna be fun when we flip into October and our soccer teams move home <laughs> after this s- September sojourn, if you will, where they are, are making the UMAC tour on the road. They are. They're they are. gonna have some uh, some cooler weather that they're gonna be playing those home games in, but. Uh, Still a week or so away before we we get them back at home here. Let's uh, let's take a look here at the the past week and uh, Yellow Jackets did some winning last week. Yeah, there were a lot of wins up on the board last week. In fact, uh, between volleyball and the two soccer, just one loss. Yep. in the last week, so that was pretty pretty impressive. Um, and a lot of those victories came at the expense of Martin Luther and Bethy Lutheran. So stick with us here because a lot of these results are against the Knights and the Vikings. Correct. So you'll be hearing the words Vikings and Knights a lot here in this next summary. Uh, but we'll lead it off with men's soccer. They're 4-2-1 now overall, 2-0-1 in the UMAC. They won a pair of matches last week, defeating Bethany Lutheran, as I mentioned. 4-2 on Friday night in Mankato before shutting out Martin Luther 5 nothing. On Saturday in New Ulm against the Vikings, UWS got two goals from Blake Perry at 29-46 and 52-06 while getting additional goals from Aaron Schartenfolkert at 39-18 and Zach Meyer at 41-30. UWS 16-9, the total edge in shots, including 8-5 in shots on goal. Alex Paredes made three saves to get the win for the Yellow Jackets, and then they followed up the next night in that 5-0 win against the Knights of Martin Luther. UWS scoring all five of their goals in the opening half. 
Philip Erickson scored twice at 30-48 and 36-27, while Blake Perry, Nikolai Stoker, and Josh Bellamy also scored for the Yellow Jackets. Paredes and Patrick Sessions split time and goal, with Paredes making two saves and picking up the shutout. And Blake Perry, by the way, based on those performances, was named UMAC Men's Soccer Offensive Player of the Week for the second time this year. He was also named Offensive Player of the Week on September 12th. So second time for Blake Perry. No surprise there. He's... I know he he's got the benefit of the the extra year, right? Yeah, but he's sitting at sixty five career goals. Yeah, and he's going to go into the seventies here. He's quick. going to go into the seventies, and he if he gets on a roll here in conference play, he could be sniffing eighty career goals. That could be, and that's that good, yeah. you know that's you're approaching Cy Young territory with that. You're <laughs> yeah. approaching Wayne Gretzky territory and one of those untouchable records. Well, yeah, if you get up into the 80 area, I mean, that's if you go 40 years, say, on a four-year career, maybe five years, you're talking between 15 and 20 goals a year. Well, you're, you're there already. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, because you're, you're, you're getting rid of the – not rid of, but you're getting past the group that gets the, the extra year. Right, yeah. So, I mean, as of right now – to get to 65, if he doesn't score again, you have to bring somebody in who's going to average over 15 goals a year. Yeah, yeah. That's, you know, I mean, it's that's not to do with any. You're, you're, level you have of to soccer. average over 16 yeah. as of right now. That doesn't happen. No, that's very so. Difficult to I achieve. mean, this you're getting yeah. into Some territory really of a record that's not going to be broken. Right. Yeah, and he's definitely a guy that you know. It's fun to see him because his role has changed so much over the years. He came in kind of as a very touted freshman when he came in. Didn't start his freshman year. Came off the bench, scored a bunch of goals that year as well. Um, and then ever since then, he's been a starting forward, obviously. I mean, he scored 10 goals as a freshman. Yeah. And he only started three games. Yeah. So, I mean, he's a guy that um, just – I mean, if you watch him play, he really is sort of a guy who has a nose for goal. He's undersized. You know, he's only 5'8". Yep. So, he's not a big guy. Slight of build. Very quick with his feet, but he just has an ability. He knows how to score goals. You know, he's one of those guys, and he's a pest defensively. He's a pest. He has the uh, – I mean, in, in hockey, the term you use is, you know, with a guy like him is, you know, they can they can stick handle in a phone booth. They can right. – they, they make space for themselves. Blake Perry has a way of making space for himself on the field. He does. He does. And, and creating something out of nothing. Well, and the other team is key on him all the time. And right. You, you and he those. still puts up the numbers. Yeah, and he still puts up numbers because he, he just has a very intelligent approach to the game. And he can handle the ball, like you said. Like he can handle a puck you know, in a phone booth. That's kind of how Blake Perry, he's kind of soccer's version of that. Mm-hmm. He can, when he gets it on that dominant left foot, he can really just kind of dance around a bit. Yep. Uh, the only guy that's comparable to that that I've seen who can who could dance like that was Protus. Yeah, you know Protus could dance like that a bit when he had the ball at his feet, but that's a really unique skill set. It doesn't happen every day. The vast majority of soccer players don't have that kind of ability. Mm-hmm. And Perry, ha- you know, Blake is one of those kids that has it. Sure. And the thing that's nice about him though, he's, he'll also finish with a bunch of assists this year. Yeah, because um, he's always also looking to set up if if he gets the opportunity. Well, I mean, he's he's sitting at 173 career points right now too. Right. Yeah. I mean. I mean Last year he had 19 goals. He had 20 assists. Yeah, you know, I mean, and that was why he was a leading point getter in Division Three soccer last year. Is because not only does he score goals, he also sets up his teammates. Yeah, and he's got guys on his team that can finish. Yeah, you know, because Philip Erickson is going to get up there and scoring in his career too. Uh, he's not going to approach Perry, I don't think. No, but he's going to be another guy that's going to be up there in the scoring numbers, and a lot of it's going to be because he played with Blake Perry. Sure. So, yeah, uh, you know, expect some more. Uh, I would not be surprised at all. 
if Blake ends up with a few more Offensive Player of the Week awards here before <clears throat> the regular season is all said and done. Right. But moving on to women's soccer, now 3-3-2 and overall, 3-0 in the UMAC. They also won a pair of matches at the expense of Bethany Lutheran and Martin Luther. 3-2 against the Vikings on Friday in Mankato before pitching a 3-0 shutout against the Knights on Saturday in New Elm. Against the Vikings, UWS got two goals from Maya Holmquist at 644 in 15:46 of the first half before the game winner from Cameron Hill, the freshman from across the bridge over in Duluth, 83-51 to be the game-winning goal for her. Jenna Lang made five saves in goal to pick up the victory for the Yellow Jackets and against the Knights, UWS. Got an opening goal from Lindry Schendel at 3:27. Hill made it 2-0 at 3040, and then Holmquist again at 83-17. Jenna Lang made three saves in goal to pick up the shutout. Holmquist was named UMAC Women's Offensive Player of the Week. I think it's the first time in her career that she's done that. I believe it is, yeah. yeah so congratulations to her, and she's having a nice year playing alongside she's, Nia Wilson. She's having a real nice year, yeah. And it's yeah. it it's uh I know it's been frustrating for that team a little bit because they have struggle to score goals yeah and I, I I'm guessing I don't know for sure um we can take that up next week when we have them on the program but right yeah we I'm, I'm assuming they didn't anticipate the uh, the struggle offensively that they've gone through this year right yeah. so being able to pop six last week and pick a couple a couple wins on the road it's a that's a good elixir for that team it is it is and that's a big win at Bethany yeah uh, Bethany's a tough place to play yep um and because uh, I mean they're tough on their home field yeah uh, and, you know, for the Yellow Jackets to get that win, that's a big win for them. Correct. Um, I think we expected them to do pretty well against Martin Luther. Um, you know, they're 3-0 and in the league, which is right about where we expected them to be. Uh, they've got a couple of more road matches this week, uh, a couple of games that they probably should win, but, you know, that that's a dangerous word in sports, it should. So, right. um, But, yeah, they've been a little bit frustrated, I think, by the lack of goal scoring, and one of the things that they're adjusting to is the fact that Nia Wilson coming off that 20 goals of last year She's had a lot of attention on her defensively, mm-hmm. so other players are having to step up. Um, and I know that Coach DeGroote has been kind of harping on them to not make themselves so predictable in the offensive third. Because you and I have seen them. They possess the ball very well. Yes. It's just a question of now getting chances. And they have created plenty of chances. And right. It's just I, I think of, there was a lot of bad luck in there, too. Yeah. You know, I'll go back to that that match against Stout. Oh, yeah. Where it could have been 4 nothing in the first half oh, with yeah. the looks that they were having, and it, it ended up 0-0. Yeah, exactly. And they ended up tying that game. I mean, they had some good looks against Hamlin, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and so, yeah, they could definitely have a couple more wins in their pocket right now than they have, uh, and they have created chances to score goals. Um, you know, and I think they created actually quite a few opportunities to score even against uh, River Falls. They just didn't put the ball in the back of the right. net. And that's been a bit of a, of a frustration for them because last year they would score those goals. Yeah. But, again, they're growing. They're still very young. I think that's one Extremely of the things. Extremely young. Yeah. Yep. I mean, there is not – I think there's – in the starting lineup on the traditional starting lineup that she's had, I think there's been one senior so far that's yep. played a lot. Yeah. And that being Kenzie Olerking. So yep. everybody else is kind of finding their way right now. Yep. And so, you know, they're going to keep getting better. And I, I expect that their, their performance is going to get better as the year goes on here yep. too. So. They're fine, you yep. know. They're just they're just having to go through that little struggle of adopting the laugh without Anna Schusman, really. Cause, True. Yep. Yeah, and and you know I think that you know we underestimated how important she was to the program in right. certain ways, and this is one of those ways. But you know they'll grow, they'll grow, they'll figure it out, and then they'll move on. Mm-hmm. Good week for women's volleyball as well. Rolling. Yeah, seven and eight overall, three and zero in the UMAC, tied with Northwestern for first. By the way, Northwestern ranked number three in the country now. Yeah. So that's going to be a big match later down the road. Yeah, it's coming up here in about yeah. a month. But uh, they also won a couple matches at the expense of Martin Luther and Bethany Luther, and although opposite 
days of the soccer teams. They defeated Martin Luther and Bethany Lutheran both by scores of 3-1, to one, although it was Martin Luther on Friday and then Bethany on Saturday. Mm-hmm. So flip-flop it with soccer. Uh, against the Knights, UWS won by set scores of 23-25, 25-18, 25-20, and 25-17. to Yellow Jackets were led by Lexi Preed with 21 kills and 10 digs. She was really good that night. She was good that night. Uh, Lizzie Schmidt, uh, and one of her first starts, one of her first uh, college starts. Pelosa double-double, 17 assists and 10 digs, while Colleen Claude finished with 19 assists. Jenna Anderson had 16 digs in the match for the L Jackets against the Vikings. UWS again winning three sets to one, 25-23, 25-20, 22-25, and 25-18. UWS was again led by Preed and Mayanna Stark. Each had 16 kills. Preed also had 23 digs, which felt like a lot. But I think that's a, that's pretty accurate based on like what I noticed when I was calling the match. I think that yeah, was, she yeah. It, it seemed like it was her and Jenna Anderson digging every single thing out. Anderson had a huge. Night. She had ten digs in the first set. Yeah, she did. She ended up with thirty four digs, by the way. Yeah, did Jenna Anderson. Lizzie Schmidt had twenty two assists. Colleen Claude had eighteen more. Haley Atwood also got in the double figures with the digs with eighteen. There was a lot of swings in that match. There were a lot of attacks yep. and a lot of them were dug out. So, but based on all that. Anderson was named UMAC Defensive Player of the Week, so congratulations to her. Unfortunately for the Yellow Jackets, they closed out the week in a tough uh, non-conference match last night against UW Stout, falling to the Blue Devils by scores of 25-18, 25-12, and 25-11. Anderson, again, 10 digs for the Yellow Jackets in that match, so... Three and one, three out of four ain't bad. They're on a nice little run here now. Well, they had won... Six of their last eight. They had won, what, four or three in a row heading into last night at Stout... And they had won five out of their last six. So, you know, playing some pretty good ball here over the last couple yeah. Of weeks. Yeah. Men's and women's golf. The men play 16th at the Twin Cities Classic, which was hosted by Gustavus Adolphus at Elk River Golf Club, the Lynx at Norfolk Golf Course, and Edina Country Club Saturday through Monday. The women place 11th at the UWL Invitational, hosted by Lacrosse at the Golf Club at Cedar Creek in Onalaska on Saturday. And both teams then competed at the UNW Invite yesterday hosted by Northwestern, with the men placing second and the women placing fourth. At the Twin Cities Classic, the men finished with a team score of 944 for the three-day event and were led by Cody Stanish, who finished with an individual score of 239 for the tournament. At the UWL Invitational, the women finished with a team score of 416 and were led by Bryce Burris, who ended the day with an individual score of 94. At the UNW Invite, the men finished with a team score of 335 and were paced by Ian Bundy who finished in a tie for first with Northwestern Shane Seifert for individual medalist honors with a 79. On the women's side, the Yellow Jackets finished with a team score of 428 and were again led by Bryce Burris, who shot a 102. So a lot of golf. It's a lot of golf. Yeah, that's a lot of that's a lot of action. Right you know, there. but I mean, we'll we'll touch on that, I'm sure, in the, the next segment when we have the, the golfers on with us. It's, it's like that for them during this season, and I think we probably talk about it on the program around this time every year yep. because September's winding down and you look at the calendar and it feels like one or both those teams has played almost every day. Yeah, they're, they're basically It's just the a, way their season is laid out. I mean, right, it's yeah. a sprint through six weeks. There aren't many practice rounds for them in no. between when they start and when they actually finish. No. I'd love to have Coach Eberhardt on at some point too and just kind of like how, how, how much – teaching and coaching can you actually do with such limited practice reps right yeah you know you're having to do a lot of that on the fly and that's not easy yeah and it's and slight adjustments here and there too right do you prefer to do it in a setting where it's it's not hyper competitive yeah yeah it's sometimes it's just the way it works and it seems like with golf that's just the way that the season right. works so yep 
Men's and women's tennis, by the way. Women's tennis. Women's tennis in this case. Yes. Uh, women's tennis, they participated in the ITA Midwest Regional, hosted by Gustavus Adolphus at the Swanson Tennis Center in St. Peter on Friday and Saturday. For those of you who don't know, they're not a traditional season. This is not a traditional season regional. This is basically kind of an invitational where individuals from different schools will come to Gustavus and they'll play each other and sort of uh, – I guess it would be would considered kind of almost like a professional turn like tennis environment where you're you're playing against but there are no team scores. Right. So it's everybody individually just sort of going through the going through a a, a match setting mm-hmm. and playing each other on individual. It's individual. a really cool event. Yeah, it's and very it's, cool. It's, and Gustavus hosts it hosts it every year. Yeah, and they do a tremendous job with it. Yeah, I you mean know, that, that's a lot of work. Tennis is a big deal down there. Yeah. And they do it back to back weekends: the women the first weekend, the men the next weekend. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a tremendous event and, and kind of cool to, to get a, a read on where you are, I guess, at this point in the year. Right. Yeah. And uh, CJ, Coach Schaffner, took a, a different angle this year, and he didn't bring any returners. Yeah. He brought all all newcomers with him right. down there yeah. to kind of give them that taste. So that, that's a pretty, pretty cool way to do it. Yeah, yeah, and we'll get into this quickly because there was a lot that they ended up playing down there, so we'll go as fast as we can here. Haley Quick. Dropped a 6-0-6-0 decision to the Gustavus's Renata Hernandez, while Andrina Tejada also fell six love six love to Morgan Nelson of UWO Claire. So they were knocked out early in that tournament in, in the Gusty Invite Singles action side of the bracket. Brooke Wilfong fell eight to five to Claudia Bilkey of Coke College, while Dalen Drew lost eight to four to Sydney Marin of Grinnell. Courtney Brandt meanwhile fell to Ashley Strobel of Gustavus, eight love while Marina Dostel. Also lost eight love to Sarah Ferguson of UW Whitewater. Meanwhile, in doubles action, Marina Dostel and Cordy Brandt topped Wartburg's Tori Johnson and Bailey Sinwell 6-2 before falling on their second round match 6-2 as well to Erica Wing and Maddie Buchler of St. Kate's. In the main draw, Adrina Tejada and Haley Quick fell to Maddie Dosser and Ashley Renwick of St. Mary's 8-2 before being eliminated by Julia Baber. And Lauren Douglas of Bethel 8-3. Dalen Drew, meanwhile... And Brooke Wilfong also lost their first match to Luther's Jalen Den Hartog and Natalie Neff 6-2 before falling to Ashley Strobel and Taylor Rule of Gustavus 6-love to end the tournament. So that was how the L Jackets fared down there. Men will be coming up this week. We'll talk more about that in our final segment. But, uh, yeah, just an opportunity for especially the younger players to get kind of a taste mm-hmm. of what the region kind of looks like in terms of, like, the, the overall kind of – uh, lay of the land, shall we say, right. of what uh, the tennis world looks like at the D3 level for those younger players. And, you know, they won a couple of matches down there, so they had, a, a, you know, a little bit of success. And hopefully that will translate, translate well into their season, which, of course, is uh, several weeks and months away. Yeah, you're not here. You know, they don't gear up and start playing until February. Right, yeah, yeah. You know, so, yeah, kind of uh, a little bit of a wait for them as well. But this is a, a really good use of their non-traditional yeah, season. Exactly. It's, it's, nice, it's a nice time to you know get some reps in there and mm-hmm. uh, kind of knock the rust off a little bit, see some other competition. And, yeah, and I know on the men's side this coming weekend, um, I believe Coach is bringing six new, or all, all newcomers down to that again okay. too So on okay. the men's side. We'll see how that goes. So uh, Cross-country, by the way, was idle. In case you're wondering, men's and women's cross-country did not uh, run last, uh, last week. They will be running this week, though, so. Again, we'll touch more on that on the final segment, but that's uh, what happened last week in Yellow Jacket Athletics. The week that was. The week that was. We will take ourselves a timeout. We will come back for the roundtable segment and talk a little golf with a little bit of a local flavor that Coach Eberhardt set us up with on the men's side, Taylor Berger, on the women's side, Mackenzie Tura. All that and more as Eye of the Swarm continues right after this.
I borrow the sports page? Are we sure we're ready for this expansion? Of course we're ready for it. It's a great idea. Let's celebrate with a vacation. I'm thinking <laughs> Hawaii. We're ready for you. Is it okay if my friend comes with? Of course. Imagination's always welcome here. Bring us your best ideas. Let's see how we can help. National Bank of Commerce. Imagination's welcome. We're back for the roundtable portion of this week's Eye of the Swarm, and we are talking golf this week with Taylor Berger from the men's golf team, Mackenzie Tura from the women's golf team. And when I walked into the room, all of you were kind of dissecting the finer points of golf when I heard talking about the grip and all the things that are interesting. So continue the conversation. Well, I was just saying and uh, that golf is a game of mechanics, and you have to have your mechanics just right in order to be successful at it. And I mean, when I say your mechanics have to be just right, I mean just right. One little slip up here or there, you know, in terms of form or grip, like we were talking about before. And oh, Mackenzie, yeah. I'll let you expand on that yeah. now that we're actually recording instead of <laughs> off the record. But um, it, it's it's such a game of, and you talked about the mental part of it too, because we'll get into more of that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can you can get your swings down, you can you know work on your putting and your chipping and all those kind of stuff. But at the end of the day. It really is a mental game because you really have to make sure that all of your mechanics and also your focus are in the right place. And I, I'm amazed at how you guys do that. I mean, it, it takes a lot of mental energy. I feel like it's a very mental, you know, mental game. It's a game where you really have to kind of keep, keep a clear focus at all times. How hard is that for for the both of you when you're when you're playing? It's very mentally draining for me. I get in my head so quickly and so easily. It's one simple thing. I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing with you. <laughs> no, it makes sense. Uh, when I'm ever I have like an odd drive or an odd shot, like I could have done this better. I snap of the fingers. I'm in my head. I'm like, I could have done this better. I could have done this better. But I really should just like let it go. Focus one stroke at a time. Just got to focus on the next one. It's really hard not to focus on what's behind you, but it, you just got to focus on what's ahead of you, really. Play the course. Why is it like that in golf? Because I feel like in other sports, you can let it go so much easier. Right. You yeah. know, you, you chuck up a bad shot in basketball, just move back down the court and get back into it. Or, you yeah. know, bad goal in hockey, you just move on. Right. Why is it so hard in golf? I think every sh- every shot counts in golf. Because, well, I yeah. mean, obviously. But you just don't have a team to help you when you're out there. You're, it's you against the golf course. At the end, yeah, you got the team to help you add up the scores and stuff, but it's you against the golf course, essentially. Because mm-hmm. I have be, a horrible time with that. Well, it's it's got to be tough, too, because it's like and, – and, and I'm a bit of a golf novice, so you'll have to bear with me on this, but um, it seems to me that the drive is always – off the tee is always kind of the – kind of sets the tone for the hole. Right. Yeah. You know, and so that's the <clears throat> shot that you really have to, you know, zero in on. And every hole is, is designed differently. Yep. You know, there's you know, par three, par five. There's par fours in there. There are different lengths. You know, there are different bunkers. Left, right. Left, water. right. Yep, water hazards. I mean, oh, depending yeah. on where you're playing. It's really a cruel sport. Well, it really is. <laughs> I mean, you know, it looks like kind of a mad genius design, some of these courses, as to where the know. difficulties are. Oh, yeah. And that makes it that much more difficult. I would think if you have a bad hole to be able to like lock in and say, okay, well, where, where's the pin placement? You know, was this a par four? Is it a par five? Is this a par three? If it's a par three, you're, you're, you know, 
margin for error is much less. Yeah. Because if you hit a really bad off the tee shot in a par three, you're mm-hmm. in trouble. Oh, yeah. And possibly in really it. big trouble, depending mm-hmm. upon how the rest of the hole goes. So, I mean, all of that really does play into that mental part of it because golf is kind of considered a sport that's not really taxing physically as much. Right. Because the mechanics are the same. Um, and they're, you know, they, you need know, to walk the holes and all this kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, it really does come, you know, it really does, de- what determines success is what's between the ears, really. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. being able to put that all together. And that's, that's kind of the art of it, in my opinion. The only like physically draining part about golf is usually the fact that some people carry their golf clubs and then you're just walking the whole 18 and it also gets like physically draining when the round is slow. Lots of times the round gets really slow. Like at the preview this year, it took almost six hours to do a round of 18 where it should only take round like four. That's the big thing for me because I go out and play with my buddies in the summer and I'll golf 18 holes in three and a half hours. And then Mm -hmm. I go to college meets and it takes five and a half, six Mm-hmm. Like yesterday was five and a half, and at that point it's mentally draining, and then you get tired. Yeah. yeah. Well, because there's a lot of and if you're not playing time. well, I mean it's just that much more it's time to sit work in your own yeah, head. Yeah, you're yeah. sitting there on each tee box waiting, getting cold. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to get in a rhythm, but I mean you can't really make too much excuses for yourself. Everybody's doing it. Everybody's playing in it. Mm-hmm. Well, that's sort of the shared experience of it, right? Like because that's yeah. everybody that's on the course is having to deal with the same thing, right? You know, because when you're like you said, when you're in the off season or you're in practice rounds or whatever. You can play at a pretty consistent pace, yeah. but you know with NCA meets, I'm sure there are regulations, rules, and regulations as to how it has to unfold. So yeah. those things can get in the way and, and make it a, a bit of a slower process. That seems like a really long time. It's like, a long it, time. It's yeah. very. That's long. a long time even you're for waiting, a scramble. Yeah, you wait on yeah. like each hole, each tee box. People just teed off as you're walking off the green, so you have to wait until yeah. they're at least just hit their second shot, maybe hitting their third shot, depending on how their shots go even. Right. So you have to wait so much, and sometimes it gets really long. Like yesterday, um, our last women's group, my team got – my group got done really quick. We actually – it only took us like four hours and like 15 minutes to get our round done. Ours was really quick. What? It was nice. <laughs> it was it was really nice. We were able to keep a steady pace, but we still had to wait on a couple holes every once in a while. But otherwise – but – a girl behind me she they put us off like backwards they put us five four three two one on the on the course which we always find backwards because you think the number ones would go faster than everybody else because they're considered the better players right so it felt kind of backwards and but they got done the slowest and a coach literally had to tell them like the group ahead of you is almost two holes ahead even though they, so it, it the weren't ones that bad. That held us up. <laughs> the ones oh, there was one specific player, and she just takes a while on some of the strokes. Like sometimes people take an extra long time lining up their putts. Like they have to look at every line single. it up, step away. Well, they line it up again. Go on the other side of the hole, make sure they can see what they're going towards, and then they go to the the like the side of their putt to see like the down slope, and then they go behind their putt, and then they go up. They stand like behind it. They do a couple practice strokes. They stand next to it, do another practice strokes, and then they finally line up, and then they hit, and sometimes sometimes they miss. And so it takes a very long time when it's especially on the green, and then you're waiting for people to get off the green. That seems like it would be very, very irritating. I, it is. <laughs> that is for sure. At least for me. Like I'm, I tend to be on the impatient side anyway. Yeah. So standing around <laughs> waiting for somebody to do something, mm-hmm. usually like I get to that point where I'm just like, 
my gosh, look at this. This is <laughs> this is going to take us forever, which is, I suppose, how it feels, Taylor, for you, because you were talking about, <laughs> you know, Kenzie said that, you know, her round was about four hours, about maybe 4.15. Ours was five and a half. Yeah, that's that's a long Yeah, we were waiting round. on the bus after we were done for, like, an hour before the, like, hour and a half before the last guys group got done. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's a long that's day a, of that's golf. A, that's a long day. And it was three sums. It wasn't even four sums. Yeah, usually it's <laughs> on, even yeah. slower with four sums. On the wow. last hole, we joined up with another group and played a six sum. Because <laughs> <laughs> that preview, I think, was it three sums or four sums for you guys? Three. Yeah, but that one, there was a big buildup on, on one hole. We had to wait. Yeah. Oh, we, we, we were on hole two. It's the same holes every year. It's two and 13 at Yeah, UMAC. two, there was five groups built up because wow. of how it was on one Five hole. groups. Wow. Sitting one on the tee box waiting. It's just like a big log jam. My second mm-hmm. hole yeah. of the day, there was four groups on the second hole. That's a lot of waiting. I mean, that's got to be Especially right there. Early. Mm-hmm. Right when yeah. You start, and then you're like, all right, I got to wait 40 minutes. Yeah, I was about mm-hmm. to say, that's got to be a 40, 45-minute wait at least. Well, yeah, you're sitting ten. there doing nothing. Lots of people just sit on the ground because they're like, might as well sit while we can. Right. And hole 13, it was, so that's like, I mean, just after halfway, it was another 45-minute wait. That's crazy when you think <laughs> about it. And it's, especially some of these meets you guys go to, are those there are a lot of threes? teams. Mm-hmm. Five and four. Par wow. five and four. Okay, mm-hmm. okay. Two always takes the longest at Pebble Creek because the tee shot because apparently people can't like hit it straight or something because there's a weird hazard on each side (laughs) and then there's welcome to golf (laughs) yeah right yeah exactly but there's some weird hazards on each side and especially at the preview this year we had this weird sprinkler broke so it was completely water logged on one side so if your ball went in there it just went right into the mud an unannounced uh, water hazard yeah and then on the other side <laughs> yeah. there's always like an official there and the official makes it so, so much longer much harder than it needs to be because we all know it's a hazard drop or if it's out of bounds or whatever we know what to do we know where it went in but they just make it mm-hmm. so much longer than it necessarily needs to be right and then oh when i was golfing also like there's some people there's some teams that some of their players have never golfed before and it's mind-boggling like this year i played with a girl her second round of 18 ever and i, I had, couldn't imagine it was crazy. Yeah, just becoming a college golfer when i get to college yeah no she's a hockey <laughs> play, she was a hockey player and i was like i was playing with a girl from saint scholastica and northern college okay northern's college is um the ashland college their women's golf team is completely made of uh the hockey team Hockey players. And they picked up two girls that have never played golf before, and their first round ever of 18 was the preview this year. Wow. That would take a fair amount of courage mm-hmm. for someone like me. It was I, crazy. I, 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 like, I, I, NCAA, I gave I her props. Like, I, I give mean, her props. I, I agree. That's, yeah. I wouldn't want to. It's crazy. I give her props for doing it, but right oh, now, my goodness. That's tough. But it makes it hard because then we also like got to help her out, which is fine, but it just takes a while. Yeah. It's funny that you bring that up because, like, early on in the men's side, especially, we had a lot of men's men's hockey players that were also golfers, and some of them were really good. We right. talked about uh, Anton Swenson. Anton, yeah. Anton was really good. Um, I think uh, Charles Martin can play a little bit. He's mm-hmm. pretty good. Charles I think. is pretty good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then we've had a few of the hockey guys come out and play golf and do pretty well. Like, Anton, I think, 
Did he did he win the UMAC? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought. I thought he won the UMAC title one year. So, you know. And now he's playing. He's still playing professional hockey, isn't he? Correct. Yeah. So, you know, Anton was a really, really good golfer. He was – he could have uh, focused on either hockey or golf. He, that's how good he was. He could have done either one just exclusively. But it's it, – I could see why they would go that direction, though, because – I think that it feels like maybe the technique and a little bit of the idea, the hand-eye coordination that goes into hockey would also translate mm-hmm. to golf. Therefore, you know, well, I think you see that there's a lot of yeah. hockey players that are. I played hockey. Yeah, a lot of hockey. Yeah. It's just a natural. It's a natural progression. Off-season kind of thing for a lot of hockey players, yep. and you know, a lot of the the muscle memory and stuff's the same. Because I think a lot of your ex teammates too at the scramble that we do the fundraiser, mm-hmm. they're all pretty good golfers, aren't they? A lot of them are. Pretty yeah, good. a lot of them are. Yeah. And there's some that are like me, <laughs> who are wildly inconsistent and right, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. So. It takes a couple shots to live in your own head, so yeah, I, I I get it completely. Let's talk a little bit about the season, though, because it's the, I think it's one of the most difficult collegiate seasons there is because it's only about six weeks long, and it's it feels like you play every day. Oh yeah, essentially. Mm-hmm. So how as we get into October this week and it's kind of winding down. How have things gone through the month of September? You can go. I mean, I, I've only played in five rounds. I don't know how many we've had. We had one this weekend. I had work. I take that one off, but it hasn't been super busy for me, but I know a couple of guys were drained by yesterday. Mm -hmm. They had to play Friday or not Friday. They played yeah. Did they play Friday? Yeah, Friday, Saturday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Sunday. No, it was Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Monday and, and then they played so again four yesterday. Days oh, yeah, I remember. And yeah. a couple of guys are getting sick. I mean, it's cold out there. Mm-hmm. They said they started that's, playing that's when it was 38 weekend. degrees on on Monday morning. I mean, it kind of it's they they're worn out. I was fine. I had no excuses <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> I was getting a little cold, but I'd say that the month of September went pretty well for us. Mm-hmm. We won. Couple tournaments that I was at, we won. You won your own UMAC preview. You won yep. the preview. Spooner, yep. and then the duel with Crown. Okay. And Eau Claire was tough. Eau Claire was probably the nicest and toughest golf course I've ever mm-hmm. played. And that's a pretty good tournament field in that one too, oh, though. Yeah. I mean, they. Yeah. yeah. And that's a two-day event, right? That's like, a two-day, and they yeah. attract quite a some really good teams yeah. at that. Well, and same thing with the Twin Cities Classic, right? Which is oh yeah, the, yeah that yeah. one. You know, that's a unique um, setup. That Gus Davis has put together for that, and I think it's really cool. Mm-hmm. It's got to be really challenging to be able to play three different courses in three days. Yeah, the guys you know, are saying the, there's 40 mile an hour winds the second day at the at a Lynx course, which is even worse. Yeah, there's no trees, just straight winds. Well, and that's that's the difference between you know you know Lynx golf and then uh, course golf is that it just is very, you know the 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 layouts are so different, right? And you know, if there's any wind at all, basically on a Lynx course, you're in real trouble because mm-hmm. the ball's gonna get blown all over the place, no matter what you do. Yeah. So, but shouldn't shouldn't we be well positioned to play in windy conditions because it happens so frequently right. up here? Yeah. You know, I mean, does doesn't is your team? They should be very accustomed to it. We played really well compared to other teams at the UMAC preview, mm-hmm. but. It just, I mean, I'm not amazing at it. I mean, I play at Nemagi as my home course because I'm from Superior. Right. But, and it's windy every day. And I'm used to it, I could say. But at different courses, it just gets me. And then it'll switch. It'll swirl. It's hard. It's hard to judge because well, you don't know the wind might be different yardage. in different places, too. Like, right. I mean, the, like a swirling wind, which is we get a lot of up here, might not be the same on Link's course down in, you know, like Elk River or wherever it is that you're playing. 
you know, it, 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 it might be different just because the lake plays such a, you know, yeah. effect on how the wind moves up here. I mean, plus the wind up here can change on a dime, right? Yeah. Like it can, it can pivot into something completely different. Four o'clock. 20 degrees. Swings around, comes off the lake, yep, off the exactly. temp. <laughs> Cold. Yeah, and plus, like, the temperature will drop 20 degrees, and you're like, oh, my gosh, now I'm out here. You know, the wind is now coming. Instead of having it swirling, maybe, or going from left to right, now it's coming right in my face, mm-hmm. right off the lake. Now I'm in trouble. First of all, I'm cold. Second of all, now it's hit. Now I got to change up my whole tactic. Mm-hmm. And golf is one of those sports that relies so much on the conditions of the course and also the weather conditions to see how you're going to do. So that's just another kind of – Mental hurl, I would think, to try to get over all the time. That's got to be just like I said, really difficult. Yeah. Yeah. How about on the women's side? Um, I have played every meet that we had. I, we only have six girls this year, so it makes it hard. We had we started off. This You're very season. young too. I mean, it's it's a young group. Oh yeah, most of us. Uh, the majority of us are, the four out of six were freshmen and sophomores. Yeah. So it's the two sophomores and two freshmen. We used to have another sophomore, but she took a step back this year to focus more on schooling. Uh, we love her dearly, but and we still talk to her all the time, which is great. But our upperclassmen there, I think one's a senior and one's a junior. So a little bit spread out everywhere, but mostly young. Mm-hmm. Our top four is all the sophomores and freshmen. So... But I've participated in every single meet. It's I've been bouncing around wherever I'm sitting. I'm usually sitting at like the three and four spot. Mm-hmm. So, but we've done quite a bit most times uh, since it's always the same people playing every time. Uh, our coach like gives us breaks. Like this last weekend, we only did one day out of the two day tournament, uh, and so we didn't have to wear ourselves out. Plus, he couldn't get like hotels because we were in on Alaska and getting a hotel like in lacrosse was really difficult. So we weren't able to participate in the second day, but, and, but most of the time we don't even play against our UMAC in all our invites. that we've been playing, we've been playing the only ones that we've done is any ones that we have, like with the guys is the only UMAC ones. Otherwise we're doing all like playing all YX schools. It's yeah. Which is really difficult. It's stiff competition. Yeah. Cause you, you go and then we aren't even like, Women's, we're, we're good, but we're not, like, the greatest team in our conference in the first place. We're in sort of in the top three right now. That's what we were last year. And But playing against the YX schools make it even more difficult because when we played the YX school last, last weekend on Saturday, we were playing with the lacrosse team, and we were playing with their uh, B team. Took a little hit to us, and they were all playing better than us. But it's difficult when mm-hmm. you're playing against the teams that are better than you. And But it's a good challenge. Same way, I think, with the men at a certain level. Like, you guys don't see the rest of the conference real often except for, like, the preview. I mean, yesterday, obviously, you saw, you know, more conference uh, schools and playing down at Northwestern at their invite. But a lot of, if you look at the, at the leaderboards and the results, you guys are playing a lot of WIAC and MIAC competition all the time. I mean, you guys aren't seeing a lot of the UMAC schools when it comes to these events and I mean, does that help raise you guys game or like, is it, is are you guys like one of those groups that familiarity doesn't necessarily breed contempt because you don't really see the rest of the other schools in the league all that much. I mean, how does that, how does that play into how you guys kind of approach the rest of the year? Like playing all these uh, higher levels, like or higher level, 
different conference opponents like from the Mayak and the Wyak? I play better and I play with better golfers. Okay. If I'm with kids that are just hacking the ball around, it's, I don't know, I tend to do a little bit worse. Okay. But, I mean, seeing those kids, it's fun watching them. <laughs> They're so good, like St. John's. Absolutely unreal. They There was one kid at last, I mean, this last weekend, he was seven under through nine holes on one Jeez. side. On one side. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Well, that was back in the day, too, before St. Thomas went D1. I think St. John's and St. Thomas used to battle it out right. on the men's golf side to yeah. see who would win. And some of their scores, because Davis also, I think, is traditionally pretty darn good. And so when you get that kind of team in there, it's kind of fun to play against them, first of all. And then second of all, just be like, wow. Mm-hmm. These guys, like, their top five are all really good. Right. <laughs> you know, they're all really good players. Oh, yeah. It's, it's their C, like their C team, like, gets third in the tournaments. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which is – it's nice to have that kind of depth. Right. I know. I mean, and speaking of depth, I know the men's team has a fair amount of it. Yeah, we have. Yeah. We have a lot of kids that can play. Yeah. So that that's kind of be a nice thing. I know the women are trying to build that depth. It's really hard to recruit women because, especially in northern Wisconsin, a lot of the guys, it's much easier to recruit. But, like, lots of people, like, if you're trying to go lower state, they're always like, there's no time to go golfing because it's always cold. It's always snowing. But, like, halftime when we're golfing, we're not even up here. We're at least an hour away. And so we're going to, like, the nicer, warmer golf courses, and it's – Obviously, we don't play in the middle of winter, but like right. when it comes to spring, we go probably like four hours away for each of our matches because there's snow on the ground still up here. And so like in the spring, we're golfing in April. Well, and the split season is an interesting phenomenon. And we've talked about this, John, before, mm-hmm. especially, you know, with the men having won a couple of UMAC titles and going to the NCAA tournament. It's a very strange setup. I don't know of any other sport that sets up the way golf does where you could play a conference tournament title or championship round like the UMAC. Because the championship. In an entirely different season, qualify for the championships two seasons down the road. So you have to skip this winter season. So you have you – you're, you're off for six months. Yeah, you're off for yeah. basically six months. And you got to come back and then maybe squeeze in three or four meets, hopefully, or you know maybe more depending on how much time you have in the spring, and then go play an actual national championship round. I mean, that's a very unique setup. I mean, I don't know of any other sport that does that. No. Like, it, even close to that. I mean, the entire idea of the NCAA championships, for the most part, is to play the championships when you're on at your best. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's really kind of – it's, it's hard to wrap your head around the idea of, well, we're going to take a six-month break now. Mm-hmm. You know, hopefully they do something during the, you know, during the winter to keep themselves in shape because we actually are going to play in the NCAA championships in about, you know, three months' time or whatever. Yeah, but that's just a really strange – I mean, it, is that something that you guys, like, take into account to when you're going through the seasons? Is this kind of setup? I mean, it's very strange. It's a very yeah. odd it's way to odd. go about it. That's for sure. I've I've told people about it, and they're like, wait, you your, nas- your nationals is a season after – like, the, in the spring after you compete in the fall and determine who's going? Yeah, this, the, like, the fact that there's a whole – like fall, like there's a whole athletic season that goes by, an entire winter athletic season that goes by in between when you guys qualified and when you actually play. It's just, it's, it really is strange. Oh, it is. I couldn't imagine having to take six months off, especially in this area where you know you're not going to be able to play and then be prepared to play in a national championship setting. I couldn't imagine mm-hmm. how, to, how to go through that, how to prepare for it, knowing that your spring – could end up like last spring where it was just wet yeah. all the time and you got nothing in. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a late spring last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's that's another thing that's got to be frustrating as heck too. Is just you're you're so at the mercy of the weather, especially in the spring season. Oh yeah. You know, and the fact that you guys are on the road all the time. I mean, you guys are rarely in Superior. This is something we talked about too before we went on. Is the fact that women's men's and women's golf athletes. I'm not sure how many people on campus would recognize them as such because they're always gone. Yeah, you know, they're never on campus. You got you're you're here for class, and that's about it. Yeah, you even know? like some of the professors don't completely register it. I would talk to some of my professors saying, "Hey, I'm not going to be here because I have." golf match and she's like wait you're on the golf team <laughs> i'm like and they were like oh the golf team leaves now and they don't register that hey there's a golf match going on today right, hey right. they're on the golf team so it's right, like yeah. hard for some of the professors because i'm like i had this professor last year and i was miss i missed her class quite a few times because of golf and she but she also knew that i was also on the track team so i would tell her so hey i'm missing I'll not be here tomorrow because I have a golf tournament. She's like, you have a golf tournament? I'm like, yeah, I'm on the women's golf team. And she's like, oh, oh, you're on the golf team. Cool. And she's like, I didn't know that. It was code for I didn't know we had a golf team. I didn't know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, lots of people don't register that there's a women's golf team. Taylor, same thing for you. Do you run on the same thing? I mean, I just – not necessarily that, oh, you're on the golf team, but professors don't necessarily that like that you miss all the time. Yeah. Especially with that, like lot. five or six well, Especially weeks. in the month yeah. of September when it's, yeah, like when I you're mentioned, just it starting. feels like you're playing every day and school just mm-hmm. starts. Our UMAC preview is the second day of school. Right. We had to yeah. miss, yeah. So it's a whole lot of making up schoolwork. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Staying on top of things. Well, and the other thing is you guys get such an early start. Because by the time you're playing the UMAC preview, you're two days into school, but you've already played like three tournaments by then or maybe even four, depending right. upon, played... you know, it's good. One this year. We There's played one, one before the preview. Okay. And then two last. I think it was two or three before last year's. Mm-hmm. We had, that, with the preview, we had a whole weekend of golf, and then we golfed straight into the preview because it was on Monday last year. Yeah. That's what the women's team at least did. We had a whole weekend of golf, and then the next day was the preview, so we golfed three days in a row. Mm-hmm. So you're literally like a traveling golf team, <laughs> really. I mean, that's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it makes it hard sometimes because sometimes when we're traveling, like for the women's team, at least some of the girls like to put bring push carts because some of them can't carry like or just don't carry it. Like this last weekend, I didn't. Well, yesterday I didn't because I've been having shoulder issues because I have a torn labrum. I've had it since my sophomore year in high school. So I have issues with my shoulder, but usually I carry and but carrying around your golf bag for 18 holes is takes a toll on you. So I brought my push cart, but it makes it hard sometimes because mm-hmm. we're in these little Chrysler Pacifica minivans taken on a weekend trip with five people in the thing, not counting our coach with all our duffel bags, with all our gear in it and then our golf bags and then trying to bring three or four push carts with us and makes it hard so usually we only bring two because of the girls that really do want them the most so right. reminds me of that uh, when north central came here to play baseball last year and they're they oh. brought those two vans. you guys don't know the story this is a little bit off off topic but talking about like condensed space on the road and where it can north central came up here to play a double header in baseball and they were late they were about half hour late found out why one of their vans on i-35 got a flat tire so they had two vans so they had to pile the entire team into one van Plus all their equipment. Yeah, plus all their equipment. So when they when they pulled up, it was almost it looked like kind of like a like the old circus idea of like a clown, clown car. car because they just kept coming out. It's like how many guys are in that thing? <laughs> all of them in one van. Like, one van. Yeah, one, one van. van. They got the whole team in there. Oh my goodness! How? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Well, that's yeah. the that's the point. Well, and the coach, like their head coach, came up and said, "Do you guys know any auto 
like mechanics or like auto right. dealerships that can help us out because like we can't <laughs> we we have to because they literally had to leave it on the side of the road like yep. there's a north central van sitting on the side of the road okay. on 35 because <laughs> they had to play a game so yeah it was a big mess oh gross but yeah it was really funny because we we were watching them come out and it's like there's another guy and another guy it's just like how many of them i mean they must have been laying on each other right there must have been like a point where like some of them are sitting in the very back where you're supposed to have all like all your equipment so, i mean there's no other way to do it right you know i mean but yeah it was kind of crazy and if people don't know that's one of the things that kind of can happen on the road you know so that's one of those you know things where like you said it, it can get kind of condensed as you know, depending on how many people you take and how much mm-hmm. equipment you have with you and all that kind of stuff. But. Let's circle back to golf. Baseball okay. season will come soon enough, Matt. Yes, it will. <laughs> I'm just making a, a, a quick right. analogy there. I got you. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's circle back, though, because the uh, championships are coming up very, Next very week. quickly Next here. Week, yeah. So how do you we'll, – we'll start with you, Taylor. How do you feel about your, your team going into the event? I have no worries or issues. I, I mean, I – don't necessarily like the golf course. I don't know why. I haven't played amazing like there. No, I don't know what it is. They all make fun of me for it too. But <laughs> I've I've came you. around. I'm starting to figure it out. And all of us have played it a lot of times. The other teams in UMAC are pretty young. They don't know the course as well. But I think that we are the strongest team going into a three-day event. Okay. Easily. And we have the most talent and the most depth. I mean, because we have like, I mean, I'd say eight or nine guys that can compete for the top five. Mm-hmm. Easily, but yeah, I feel good. How about good. you, Mackenzie? Um, with how the women's season's been going so far, we'll we'll hold our own. We'll be able to hold our own. That's for sure. We just gotta make sure we can stay out of our heads. Really, that's a lot of us. What we, we've been doing recently is getting in our heads, and it's been affecting our scores recently. But with how we normally golf, if we can get those scores back to our normals, we'll hold our own and be at least hopefully top three again this year and hopefully improve our thing to be able to recruit more people knowing that, hey, this golf team's pretty good. Hey, let's go to that school and build up our team so we can have more than six girls and have a friendly competition within amongst the team to get the top five. So, but hopefully our hopes are to do pretty good and we just got to step up our mental game. Let's talk a little personal stuff here too before we before we let you go because I know you both have a time crunch here. How do you get? How did you get into golf? You talked touched on it a little bit here before Taylor got got into the studio, but how how did you get into playing golf around here? You mentioned weather and everything. It's a very short season. Mm-hmm. When did golf become a thing for you? I was two. My dad. You were what? I was two years old. My mom and dad got me a Jeez. plastic glove club uh, from like Walmart. And I would bring the club with me wherever I went. No so, I'd, so I'd be going anywhere. I'd have that plastic golf club in my hand. But then they got me a real set when I was like three or four. And I'd just be always outside whacking the ball. And then my dad would take me to the par three course out at Nemaji. And I'd always ask him, when am I going to be able to play the, the real golf course? And he just he just said, kept waiting. Keep waiting. You got to get better. I think it was like 10. No, no, I was probably eight or nine when he actually took me out there for the first time. Hmm. Yeah, I've been golfing my whole life. I have a three and a half year old, and I cannot fathom taking him on a golf course. No, yeah, I no. couldn't imagine. <laughs> it, yeah, he's got the plastic clubs you're talking about. Yeah, and he he likes to take them out and smack the oversized ball in the yard <laughs> yeah. and everything. But he they're right handed clubs, and he hits left handed. Yeah, so he's 
he has a little bit of a hard time with that, but I still could not imagine even taking him at this age to a par three course. Yeah, because, yeah. I mean, I started golf really early, and then with hockey, like what you are saying with the left-handed, I started hockey late, and I started golf right, and I go, and I play hockey left. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. I know. It's weird. You did, I, You started hockey late, but you never – you weren't just – Condition to hold this. Well, way? I started. I started with the right-handed stick uh-huh. because that's what my parents gave me. But I'd flip my hands right like this and shoot backwards. Yeah, <laughs> be darn. I would have been a lefty too in hockey. Like I would have been this. <laughs> it, they say it's supposed to be your right hand dominant on top for hockey. Okay. So that's why I think. But no, that's exactly what it is. Because I'm right-handed, but I I shot left playing yeah. hockey. I shot right technically playing hockey too. Mm-hmm. So interesting. I started golf at a pretty young age as well. I started doing my lessons. I have an older brother. He's six years older than me. I only have one older sibling. But he, since he was older than me, he was already taking golf golf lessons with this one specific person in our town that my grandpa was really good friends with. And since I'm from Iron River, I was at Northern Pines. And so I'd started golfing lessons when I was in kindergarten, when I was five years old. I started taking my golf lessons. I would do them on the range. I had my little set of pink Barbie clubs. I had my nice, I still have them. They're up in our attic at my house. But my little set of pink Barbie clubs that me and my sister used when we were growing up. My sister stopped golfing because she didn't really like it that much. But my grandpa got me into golfing too. He would start taking me out on the golf course. I'd hit every once in a while as we would drive around on the golf cart and he would just, I, I loved it. It was so fun. And then once I was, I think, eight years old, I got a bigger golf set and then as I went on I started getting golf clubs and then once I once I was in middle school I got started getting private lessons from the guy that would give my brother lessons because it was every Wednesday during the summer he would give lessons to a large group of people two different sessions on the driving range at Northern Pines then I got private lessons for him all throughout middle school upright until high school and then once I was in high school I also got private I had a private coach teach me, and then I got a new driver, and I was able to figure my stuff out. And throughout high school, I was able to get up there. I, my senior year, I was, like, fourth in the conference because I went to Northwestern High School. And then went from there. Now I'm now our coach was my uh, – uh, Paul Everhart, he was my 11th grade history teacher, and that's how I got recruited. <laughs> Built-in recruiting advantage right yeah, there. Yeah, like, he would always ask – uh, since I was a, when I was a senior in high school, he would always ask my best friend on the golf team. He's like, "How's how's Mackenzie doing? How's she golfing right now?" And he would always ask her because I wasn't in his classes anymore. And so she would always ask because she was a sophomore. So she, he would be teaching her. She, he would ask how she's doing. And so once he figured out I was going to UWS, and he's like, "You're golfing now." I'm like, <laughs> "Okay." <laughs> uh, yeah, that's quite the uh, that's quite the recruitment, Taylor. You being a local product as well i assume that the recruitment was pretty straightforward for you i mean so i was gonna go play junior hockey okay i I was so i was enrolled at umd actually i had all my classes set up and i unenrolled and i was gonna go play hockey out east or in canada in a junior hockey league and i last day i just didn't want to leave i don't know i love my parents i love my family i wanted to stay home and then so i went to school here, I, I enrolled the Friday before classes started because they started on a Wednesday, so it was like less than a week. I didn't start golfing that year because <clears throat> the coach had, I mean, Ebb had no idea I was coming here. 
And then I think that year, my high school hockey coach got in contact with somebody here and said that I was uh, interested in playing. But then COVID came around that spring, wasn't able to play then. And then I finally got to play 2020 fall on, okay. as with the team, but no meets. Okay. So there wasn't really any recruitment okay, I mean, by Ebb. So true walk I mean, a true, true walk-on. Walk yeah. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. I suppose. Yeah. Well, it, it's interesting, though, to hear the backstories about how all this, you know, comes together. And it's interesting to hear you guys' stories in terms of golf. Yeah. Because the guys that we've had, the the previous golf athletes that we've had, Bryce, for instance, on the women's side, Joy Cummings on the men's side, they both are also basically lifers in golf. Yeah. Like, they basically, I don't want to say they were born with a club in their hand, but pretty close. Yeah. You know, and then they, they just sort of kept going, kept going, kept going. And Joey's story is similar to yours because he was also a hockey player. Um, that ended up kind of having to choose between golf and 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 hockey, and um, he would have said that he was a much better golfer. Well, if I remember right, he yeah. was also one who was enrolled at UMD at one point. I think he and, was, yeah. and then at yeah. the last minute didn't go and decided to come here because that was right around the time golf was reinstated as a varsity program. Was it? Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah, and then I mean, one of his teammates. Ryan Peterson, who was also a former he's conference a, champion. He's a hockey player. Too. Yeah, he was also a really good hockey player and came here to play golf, and he was friends with Joey. So it's interesting to hear the stories as to, you know, how it all comes around. You know, when we had Bryce on, for instance, she was basically like, I was basically addicted to the sport since the time I was born. Right. It was kind of the impression that yeah, she gave her, us. Her family, her dad literally lives on a golf course. Yeah. 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 So it's yeah. interesting, you know, the, the passion that you guys have for the sport. Yeah. You know, the fact that it's basically been with you. Since birth, for the most part. I mean, Taylor, you start when you're two. Kenzie, you start when you're five. You know, it, that's that's basically lifelong in my in my view. It is. Yeah. yeah that's that's basically lifelong. Neither of my parents played, though. My parents didn't play hockey. But my dad would, like, randomly play golf. But he wasn't – he's not very good. I, I mean – Neither of my parents golf. None okay. of, neither of them do. Like, they both have golf sets, but I haven't seen either of them play golf in years. Like, I just broke my seven iron last weekend uh, on the driving range. I snapped the metal of the club head right off. So that was fun. So my dad literally, my, on his way to work, he works in Duluth. Cause I, so as on his way through, he dropped off one of my mom's seven irons and my old set of se my old seven iron from my bag to test out to see if I could use it yesterday. Because uh, Nevada Bob's doesn't no. exist right now, no. so I can't go like test out a new seven iron. Right. I broke my four iron at UMAC at the preview this I, year. Yeah, I was hitting a tee <laughs> shot and I <laughs> I hit the ball and I feel I go like this. I got it's super light. I look at it. I'm like, no way. The club had one flying. <laughs> oh, that's what happened to me on the range. And that, but it was like a loud. You could hear it snap. It was a loud like Mine's dinging not, noise. It, it's just the club head. It's not broke. It just needs to be re-glued. Oh, mine, I snapped the metal. No, yeah. My so mine can't the get fixed. Went straight, too. <laughs> that's, that's lucky. That's I lucky. know. It was a hole 13, too. <laughs> Hardest hole. Wow. Well, we wish you both good luck in the championships coming up here. And obviously, hopefully none of your clubs fall apart on 13th no, hole like they did last fixed. time, too. So Taylor Berger, Mackenzie Tura, thanks for stopping by. Thank you for having Thank us. You. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back with more of Eye of the Swarm right after this. Workers Island Inn is now hiring and there's a position just for you. Apply for front desk, housekeeper, bartender, server, cook, and dishwasher. We're hiring great people like you. Call or click for more information and apply today.
Final segment now of Eye of the Swarm. And I always enjoy having golf people come in and, and chat a little bit with us because I, I, I play golf myself. Um, I should, well, sometimes I play golf. Most sometimes of, you call most it of the playing, time golf plays me. Yeah, I was Most of the time golf plays me. <laughs> but uh, I just, I enjoy hearing the stories and how they got started and how they approach the, the match because it's, it's such a cerebral game. It really is. And it's, it's a game that is so incredibly exhilarating and at the exact same time is just, it, it sucks the soul right out of you. I think it's, it's a sport where if you talk to any coach or player, you will not hear the term sports psychology used more often than you will in golf. I, it's just the nature of the beast. Yep. Um, yep. There's a lot of it also in tennis. Mm-hmm. Um, you see a lot of it. You know, if you watch professional tennis, especially at the higher levels, there's a lot of mental interplay there as right. well. But I think that it's so central to golf because once you get the mechanics down, I mean, yes, your mechanics make a huge difference in how you perform. But as much as that is part of it a lot of times your mechanics if you're a, a seasoned golfer and a and a, a you could be player, a professional golfer yeah, and you can go into a, a two-year slump because your mechanics get right but and, and what i what i was going to go sorry the direction i'm going with that is a lot of times those mechanics are a reflection of what's going on in your head you know like you can lose your mechanics if you're not right in your head yep and that is kind of where i was going with that uh, you know illusion right there was just the idea interrupted of, you no that's you sorry know, no, you had the you had the right idea. I, I do it to you all the time. So, <laughs> but um, point. but I mean, you having played golf, it's it is if it's if your head isn't right where it needs to be, then you can have just the slightest mechanical adjustment, and it you'll end up spraying your ball all over the place. Yep. And that's that was kind of the direction I'm going with yep. with what I've said. So, um, yeah, the mechanics don't change in this in the sport, but the mechanics can be thrown off if your head isn't right. Right. So your head, you have to really make sure your head is right. Is the big point here. Yep. And I, I loved that before we went on the air when we first got up to the station and Mackenzie was talking about her grandfather yeah. who who introduced her to the sport, 86 years old and still plays every day. And yeah. I'm like, that is the dream. It would be. <laughs> it, it is. Like, it is, yeah. For really me, is. I, I want to retire as early as I can. Unfortunately, it's a long way down the road. Right. And yeah. when I get to that off season, I I want to be able to play almost every single day. Yep. You know, so that's that's sort of the dream. It, it really is a game that you can play your entire life. Oh, yeah. You oh, know, yeah. and I, I look forward to hopefully getting to that point where I'm 86 years old and able to play every single day. Right. But, right. Well, speaking of playing, uh, we got some teams playing here this week. Yeah, yeah. The road swings continue, by the way, for everybody, except for volleyball. Correct. So we'll have kind of a replay of what happened last week, this week. Just different terms, teams. Yeah, just different teams. Yep. Um, but thankfully, they will start coming home eventually. So if, if you're waiting to see them in person, they will be coming home here within the next couple of weeks. So, um, And then for extended periods. <laughs> right. Yeah, so uh, you'll get a chance to see a lot of Yellow Jacket uh, athletics if you'd like in person. Men's and women's soccer are both on the road. They're both taking on Crown on Friday and Minnesota Morris on Saturday. The men's games are at 4.30 p.m. both days. The women's games are at 2 p.m. both days. So back-to-back again, and then they will return home this coming week or the week after, excuse right. me. Um, and then uh, that's when we start to, or I will start broadcasting them again, and uh, hopefully they'll have a couple more wins in the back pocket there. I don't know any reason why they shouldn't. But, right. Uh, we will hopefully uh, have a couple more wins to talk about next week uh, for both men's and women's soccer. Volleyball, meanwhile, same story as last week. They flip-flop them. Playing the same teams as the soccer teams, just on different days. Morris this time on Friday, 
for Len Diedrich and company, 7 p.m. over at the Mertz. And then Saturday, it's Alumni Day taking on Crown at 1 p.m. I don't know how many of the alumni come back for that. but it, It's a um, – well, first, before we, we get into Alumni Day, Friday, um, Yellow Jacket Athletics announcing yesterday uh, the cause games for 22-23 are okay. back, and it is – a focus on uh, mental health. Okay. The theme being mental health matters. Mackenzie had the mental health matters T-shirt on in studio with us here today. And uh, Friday's event is the first one of those for the 22-23 year. Um, the, you'll, you'll see mental health matters shirts on the team during warm-up. You'll see green ribbons. You'll see green shoelaces. You'll see a number of different things uh, throughout the course of, of the match. Right. Admission yeah. and ticket fees are waived. Okay. For that match, uh, but we are asking fans in attendance to make a donation, and uh, all the money that comes in from those donations will be donated to the uh, Miller Dwan Foundation, who does some remarkable things in the Twin Ports and the surrounding area yeah. for for mental health. So that is the uh, the cause this year. Very and worthy it's, cause. It's by great the way. to have it yeah. back, and it's it was you know it's it was overwhelmingly well received by coaches and athletes when we decided this was the direction we were going to go this year. And it was also something that it, it, it's very important to the student athletes that came out in, you know, within the SAC group, within the social media groups, that it's, it's very important. And they, they want to see more resources devoted to that, not just for them, but for, for anybody who would need them. Well, and this touches on something that we talked about the day of giving last year, the right. stream that we did, um, you know, a couple of the coaches, specifically men's and women's soccer, asked for funding for mental health causes. Right. And we had a chance to talk to Joe Mooney and Allison DeGroote about that. And there was a lot of – it's one of the things I'm most proud of in the athletic department and being, you know, associated with UWS is the fact that the athletic department has made such a conscious effort, especially in recent years, to really address athletic mental health, not just, you know – mental health for the athletes, but mental health across the board. Right. So that everybody is, is in a, a safe space mentally where they can, you know, they can put forth their best every day, mm-hmm. um, both in the classroom and on the field. And it really is an area I, I really feel very um, proud of the fact that the athletic department has made that, that a priority and that the coaches actually throughout the department really do value that and really do – support the idea of maintaining positive mental health right. for everyone. And um, it's, it's, it's so important. I, I think it's something that's been so overlooked for so many years. And mm-hmm. now, you know, in the age that we're living in, just to see that kind of cause come through, right. that's, just, that's really, really nice to see. You know, and we, we're fortunate, too, that we have some of the resources we do on campus with <clears throat> Randy Barker and, and the Pruitt Center that uh, help us lead a lot of those efforts. And we're fortunate because I think we're on the – the front end right. of a lot yeah. of this where right. other schools are in some ways playing catch up. Yeah. Yeah. And may not be addressing it as aggressively as UWS is. Right. UW Superior though has made a very conscious effort to address that yep. issue. And um, like I said, my hat's off to everybody, athletic director, Nick Bursick and the coaches um, and, and, you know, all the way up to, up the chain to making it a priority for the, not just the athletic department for the entire campus as right. well. So very good to hear that. Mm-hmm. Uh, men's and women's golf, they only have one meet this week, but they are getting ready for the UMAC championships yep. in two weeks. So um, <laughs> about 10 days before they get right. over to uh, uh, Pebble Creek and play uh, the UMAC championships. But this week, 
Both teams are on October 1st, so that'll be this coming Saturday. They're at the MLC Fall Invite, hosted by Martin Luther at Oakdale Golf Club in Buffalo. That's a one-day event that'll be teeing off at 10 a.m. for both teams. And it sounds like that could be a, a good opportunity to get around in, but also kind of re-energize the batteries a little bit with the UMAX coming up here in 10 days or so, John. Right. No, I. it's a good time for them to kind of taper down a little bit and – you know, get themselves hopefully in a good spot. Right. Yeah. You know, and that's kind heard, of my thought as too. we heard both of them yeah. talk about as we get yep. closer to championship. Cause time. it is a grind. It is absolutely. It's a, it's a grind. So, uh, men's and women's cross country. Of course, we talked about them in the first segment, segment being idle, but, uh, this week they are in action. They'll be running on Friday. So a couple days from now at the blue gold invitational hosted by UW Eau Claire at whitetail golf course in Colfax. The women's race is at 4 15 PM while the men's race We'll follow five fifteen p.m. It's interesting that the start times there are late, John. Mm-hmm. Usually they run those kind of events in the morning, but since it's a Friday, I suppose they have to do it on a, uh, a Friday afternoon. But interesting, those are those are some late times for a cross country meet. Usually you'll see cross country races run usually about between ten and noon is mm-hmm. usually where you'll see them run. But uh, a little bit of a late start there for Coach Glenn Drexler and company, but um, that's where they'll be. And then last but not least, men's tennis. As we talked about a little bit in the opening segment, the women were at the ITA Midwest Regional last week. This time it's the men's turn, Friday, September 30th through Sunday, October 2nd. So it's a three-day event uh, hosted by Gustavus Adolphus again at the Swanson Tennis Center in St. Peter. And we'll see how the Yellow Jackets do down there, defending conference champions. Again, uh, it sounds like C.J. Schaffner is going to be taking some new players down there to get them kind of get their feet wet a little bit in the regional um, but, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's always a fun event. I know that, uh, you know, coach Schaffner has been pushing to get them into that. This is the second straight year. Both teams have been in it. So, mm-hmm. uh, that's good. That's good visibility for the program and, uh, hopefully they'll come up with some good results down there. Yeah. Hopefully we get some results out of them. Hopefully some, some more wins across the board. You know, yeah, I think there's a good it chance, was such a we'll good see. week for, for all of our sports teams last week. And, uh, hopefully it all carries over into another week here. That's what we're hoping for, for sure. Adam DeMuth was our sound engineer on this week's episode. For Adam, for the Big Sound, Matt Johnson, I am John Garver. We look forward to having you next week, and thank you for listening to Eye of the Swarm.